radio call-in show. This is The Drive. doesn't work brand new brand I, was get, I was going to get one today it only cost like five thousand dollars doesn't work eh. i got a little jealous literally i'm just trying to send a text doesn't work that that makes me losing a basketball game it makes me mad i can deal with it i can process it this makes me want to throw this piece of through but the window don't do it through the window smash it over marcus's so head. mad hold so, on I mean, look at look at this marcus i sent this text to bear Oh, yeah, 2.58. It is now 3.03. That's five minutes ago. Okay, it just went through. Yeah. <laughs> it just went through. I saw the little bar up it top. Just went through. It's just a picture. And we it, might have I, something wrong with our internet. It's it's not internet. It's 5G. It's texting. I'm not even I'm not even on the wireless for some you, reason. You like here. how he's low-key showing off his, his brand-new state-of-the-art. I'm not showing it off. I want to throw it in Apple the river. IPhone. It sucks. I want to break it. I want to smash it with a hammer. Oh, it makes me so mad. Welcome in. Can I ask a ranking of frustration? Your phone, <sighs> yeah, the loss. Yeah, go ahead. Just get me full, fully yeah. triggered, Marcus, please. Way to go, Marcus. Your phone, the loss, the losing of your, your bet. The phone is number one by far. The loss is second. The bet's <laughs> like bet whatever. bet you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. Bet's whatever, man. The bet, the bet is. you for listening to Haji. The bet is free money, quite frankly. But uh, we won't get into that. Um, all right. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. A lot, a lot to get to. We've got CG coming up on here in just a few. I've got a Vescovy take, a Barnes take, um, some thoughts on the Jimmy Dykes, Triple J comments last night. And I've got a big one on, on Sakai Ziegler I want to get to. We'll see if we can squeeze it all here in the first segment. All right. Uh, Vescovy was outstanding last night. I did not understand that that he was ill. We had heard that rumor yesterday during the show. And like we hear, I feel like we hear that all the time. Like so-and-so sick. He's not going to play. That's at least the third time that we've heard that specifically about Vescovy this season. And he always plays. Yeah. I I think it's because something, it it seems like in basketball, number one, it's cold and flu season. And it just seems to circulate within the team. Yeah. So like we heard that yesterday, and I was like, yeah, whatever. We saw footage of him at the shoot-around. I was just like, fake news, whatever, he's fine. And I didn't realize until after the game, till after voluntary reaction, that Barnes had commented afterwards that he was sick and everything. So, like, we were hypercritical of everybody, and I still don't think anybody is covering themselves in, in glory on this team. But, like, upon further review, we need to cut Santee some slack. He was fantastic last night. Uh, out there playing 36 minutes when they didn't even think he was going to play at the be- like he was he was ill. That's outstanding, man. Like that dude. And then you've got two guys over there who might or might not be able to play. Yeah, that that's where it gets a little bit uh, weird. That is really weird. So Jimmy Dykes last night 
basically called Triple J out. I don't think he was talking as much about Phillips, but I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but he basically said, look, these guys are, he said, uh, Triple J, no excuse for him not to be playing. Like That's basically what he said. Yeah, it, it, it was it was weird. After watching him and shoot around, I think was the. Well, and I'll tell you what, hap- what, what happened there. I'll tell you exactly what happened. And, and I don't know this, but I know this because he got that from Rick Barnes. I guarantee you. The, these color commentators, they spend – they're at that shoot-around, right? And they spend the time with Rick Barnes. And whether it's a big guy like Jimmy Dykes or Dick Vitale or a little guy like whoever they've got on the SEC network, those guys – Rick Barnes talks to those guys. And he charms them. And that's part of, like, his – like, the reason that talking about forcing him out is wasted breath because it's never going to happen because everybody loves him who comes in contact with him. And – even if his record wasn't as good as it is, he's got he's such a good relationships person that it's just it it's stupid. It's 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 not going to happen. And so, and Barnes and Dykes are 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 close. They've 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 known each other forever. And so they're talking. And I guarantee you, Jimmy Dykes, professional that he is, like you you might not like his style or whatever, but he's he's, he's, he's good horrible. at what he does. He is asking Rick Barnes about Triple J because he's a key player and and he wants to know if he's going to play or not. And I don't know exactly what Rick Barnes said, but it's pretty clear to me that he said something to the effect of he's he can play, it's just up to him, and he's telling us he can't play. And so Jimmy Dykes took that to the air. There's no way he takes that to the air on the mothership, on, on ESPN1, in front of a national TV audience if he didn't hear it from Rick Barnes. I guarantee you that's what happened. They'll deny it, but that's what happened. I've been doing okay. this 20 years. I, I, I know that. So that's weird that you've got um, a guy who's apparently cleared to play. And uh, Triple J was at the tip-off club today, and, and he told everybody there that he expects to play Saturday, so we'll see what happens. Here's Rick Barnes talking about it. Um, Triple J and Julian Phillips in – Here's his direct quotes and comments after the game last night. So, you know, I know that I'd have to believe they're doing everything they can to get back. I mean, I, I believe that. I mean, uh, with all my, I have to believe it with all my heart because I think they, they're, they're competitive. They want to play. And, uh, but, uh, again, no one's working any harder than what Chad and Garrett are. And, and they're, doing, they're, they're doing what we're asking them to do, but we're not going we, to – we don't want them to play unless, unless they're healthy. Well, uh, well, we'll see what happens going forward. But that that it wasn't exactly these guys are warriors. They're banged up right now, and and we need to get them healthy because we need to need to make a run. That sounded like, uh, yeah, these guys need we they need to get out there because we well, can't the, win the without same, them. The same believe in yeah, three consecutive that, sentences was that's, odd. Jumped out at me. Yeah, believe like what are we hooking these guys up to a lie detector? Like what's what's yeah. going on? Why wouldn't you believe? Them? I I just assumed Triple J went through, uh, shoot around and then it it got stiff or something. So you've got that out there, and then there's this comment from Rick Barnes specifically about the game, and I want you to listen to the the end of what he says here. He's talking about the offensive possessions at the end of the game when it was tight. You had uh, Olivier missing a running three-pointer with 30 seconds to go, 
and then Tennessee gets the ball down three with 17 seconds to go and a timeout. They don't use that timeout. Ziegler very casually walks it up the court, uh, shoots a contested three, and Tennessee loses. Here's Rick Barnes discussing those possessions and, and pay attention to what he says he thinks uh, lost them the game at the end. No, we weren't. Again, uh, Olivier's, I mean, I think he got a little, you know, caught up in the moment there. Uh, but again, I think if he's balanced, I mean, he, he, Olivier can shoot the ball. And Zakai has some different options coming down the floor that he can look at and what we could do there. And, uh, but, you know, in that moment, they've got to make, they've got to make plays. I mean, we, we had some organization with it, what we were trying to do. But, but again, you know, those are tough situations to be in. And, that's not what cost us the game. That last, those last two shots. If you ask me one thing in particular, I'd just say, as much as we've talked about not fouling three-point shooters, we gave them five points. Fouling three-point shooters. So as Barnes and he began his press conference with that, referencing the the fouling the three-point yeah. shooters, they did that, and obviously that's not good. They got to stop doing that. It's been a recurring theme now for a couple of games, and it hurt them last night. Yeah, and this, from correct me if I'm wrong, Texas A&M is not, not known for their outside shooting prowess, are they? No, that's a good point, too. And he says that – he says he feels like that was a bigger factor than those two possessions. I – he's forgotten more basketball than I'll know. I'll preface that, this is not – I'm – I'm not one of these, let's push him out here. I'm comfortable with Rick Barnes as our, our head coach. Is he perfect? Certainly not. Is he better than uh, just about every coach we've had here? Yes. I want to keep him. That being said, I just disagree with that statement, man. And I'm just a fan. But I completely disagree with that statement. Yes, the the three-point shooting fouling, that's ridiculous. you got to stop doing that. But, yes, the, the two offensive positions, yes, that lost you the game. That was more impactful. Even if you don't foul those three-point shooters, that happened much earlier in the game. The game changes after that point, and A&M is playing a confident brand of basketball. They're going to find a way to make up those points. You're in that position because of the way you played, the poor decisions your team made. And I absolutely think those two possessions here, – here's the deal about this game of basketball, whether it's high school ball, college right. ball, pro ball, whatever. You get in – Two good teams are playing, crunch time, you're going to have close games. And how you manage the last minute of those close games, those possessions, is paramount. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. There can be ebbs and flows over the course of 40 minutes, but ultimately games come down to the last minute all the time. Yeah. All the time. And you've got to manage that. And those possessions were terrible. Oh, it's it's a difference between the the good coaches and the truly great coaches, or what you do in the last sixty seconds. And and he's got a timeout there, and yeah. we've been killing them off these inbounds plays yeah. all night long. And it's it's at that point, it's seventeen seconds to go. It's do or die. You don't you don't get a second chance here. There are no do overs. No, you gotta you gotta hit a three. Yeah, you gotta make and, sure you're doing it. And and we casually walk the ball up and shoot a step back contested three pointer and lose the game. And instead of calling the timeout, drawing something up, trying to get Vescovy a look, or trying to get Z Ziegler a better look, yeah. or, or trying to get like I don't have a problem with Camwa shooting a three in that. So he played well last night. It's just that's not his shot. Like dribbling forward, running like a running three from the top, catch and shoot, feet set, shoulder square. That that's one thing. But 
Those were bat, both horrible possessions. Oh, they were, they were with, terrible. With the game on the line. So that I, I found that comment curious. And then I want to say this about Ziegler. Little constructive criticism for what I believe. I, I believe he's a great player and a great young man. Loves Zakai Ziegler. I'd follow him into battle anywhere. All right? Let's it's, preface, it's well known. preface this by saying that. You, you know he's one of my favorites. Yeah, I, yeah. you don't normally – this is usually my, my shtick, but you love that kid. Well, all that being said, it's the second time this season – that after a game he's kind of clapped back at our fans on social media. Some of our fans, a, a small minority of fans, did it after the Alabama game after win, and he did it last night. Uh, he did, after the Alabama game is like, if you weren't with us before, don't be with us now. And last night it was, they love you when you're good, hate you when you're bad, like something like that. Yeah, and it's just little little snarky comment, whatever. Um, and granted, we have some obnoxious front runner fans. I was fan run radio. We're supposed to love the fans all the time. Uh, whatever, man. We got some obnoxious fans. I, I always tell you the truth. Tennessee's not any different from any other fan base. We have a small minority, but they're there. They're there. They're loud, and they're obnoxious. And they tweet at our players, man, and it's cringy. Yeah. But here's the thing about Ziegler. You got to be able to hit the ignore button. And I think this is important because, to me, it's indicative of a team and a player that isn't quite 100% focused on the things he needs to be. And I think we see that on the court a little bit with Zakai. I see a player who plays his best ball at home. I mean, that's – any fool can see that. And, yeah, players play better at home. Like That's, that's to be expected – but I, I think when, you know, he's in a comfortable environment, he can get out there pregame and, and practice on his home floor, his home rims, he, his shot's falling, fans are behind him. It's going good. When he's on the road, I see a guy gets a little rattled. He gets the treatment from opposing fans because because of his, his height or lack thereof, because of the haircut. Like, ten, again, Tennessee fans, same way. We – we our fan base zeroes in on the kid who looks weird. The kid who looks a little bit different on the other team, and they give him the treatment. It's basketball. That's what happens. And he yeah. he he's that guy on our team. And I I think he lets that get to him. We've seen it now at Florida. He didn't play well. At Kentucky, didn't play well. At A and M last night, didn't play particularly well. I know he hit a big shot late, but he was two of twelve from the field. Uh, yeah, but it's it, it it's also it, it fits in with the. You know, the stuff you're just talking about, social media, he's got to be able to, you know, he needs to stay off social media and then just be able to ignore. You got to learn to tune that stuff out. You got to learn to tune out the crowd at the game. You got to learn to tune out, uh, and that's both home and away, by the way. Um, You got to, and God bless him, he's got some stones, man, not shooting well, and he bombs one in late to get Tennessee within one. Uh, But he didn't handle that last possession well, man. You're uh, 17 seconds, down one with the timeout. Casually walk the ball up court, shoot a contested step back three without passing. That's I put that's that not that's not smart, focused, winning basketball. 
And it's clear we're going to need him playing well if we have any chance at finishing strong. It's quarterback. It's like it's the most important position. He's the quarterback of your basketball team. And you just go look at our recent history. The games he plays well, we win. The games he doesn't play well, we lose. It's simple as that. Yeah. Putting a lot on him. Again, I love the kid. He's he's won us a lot of games, and he's going to win us a lot more games over the next two years. He's going to be a great college basketball player. I think he can lead us to more championships in the future. But I think that's part of his growth process is to learn how to handle the clutter, the noise, the stuff that doesn't really matter to just shut that stuff out and focus on what he can control, which is what's directly in front of him. All right, quick timeout. The drive continues coming up. We'll go out west. The CGP. Christopher Gabriel joins from KMJ Fresno in California. When we continue next, right here on Fan Run Radio. Fan Run Radio. The drive continues. What a beautiful day here in East Tennessee. Like 75 degrees out there. Sure, we have our uranium processing facility at Y12 in Oak Ridge. Apparently catching fire this afternoon. No, no compound. No. Uh, confirmation on whether that uh, not that is actually causing the <laughs> warm temperatures here in East Tennessee, but uh, hey, it's it's nice. I'll I'll enjoy it before uh, it turns into fallout. Christopher Gabriel, KMJ Fresno, with us on the Big Orange Phillies phone line. CG, what's up? You know, it's uh, first of all, gentlemen. Good afternoon to you, and uh, hello to everybody in beautiful East Tennessee. We like to call it God's country. It's only 49 degrees here, and the big story here, uh, it's not Tennessee, it's not Fresno State, it's not the Pac-12 and what's going to become of them. It's the weather. 65 miles from here, uh, we call that China Peak, great ski area. That, that, you know, it's, a, it's a close-by ski area instead of going to, to Lake Tahoe. They are expecting four feet of snow, but Ooh. the bigger story is that tomorrow this area fresno may get an inch of snow i'm ready to pitch the sales team to do an endorsement for snow tires uh (laughs) i mean (laughs) they haven't had snow here in probably 500 years really yeah they don't get snow in fresno i mean oh wow is it it like you know yankees always give us uh and and no offense chris because i know you were born uh north of the mason dixon line but they always give us southern folk they always give us a bunch of grief for not being able to drive. Like if, if there is a just a slight lint, wintry mix falls for 10 minutes, uh, here's what we do in East Tennessee. Everybody runs out to the grocery store, buys as much bread and milk as they can fit into their car, and then uh, skids off the road on their way home and, and, and crashes. Or, or so it seems. And, and people are like, well, you guys don't know how to drive in the snow. If it hasn't snowed there in years, then I'd imagine this could be quite the disaster in Fresno. I am a Yankee, and I am north of the Mason-Dixon line. And, Russ, it's time that we just pull the curtain on the fallacy that is northerners that give you great folks down there. Half my family, of course, is from the south. Let's pull, let's pull the curtain on that nonsense right now. When I lived in Fargo six years, when I lived in Minneapolis ten years, the first snow of the winter, everybody drives like a bunch of damn fools. Okay, everybody, All over the road, people are in ditches. People have completely forgotten to drive. And where are they out driving to, Russ? They're going to the store to get three cartons of, you know, three dozen eggs, five loaves of bread, and a 68-pack of toilet paper because they act like it's the end of days and all it is is snow. Well, good luck with all that, CG. Um, We'll be keeping our eye on your neck of the woods up there in Fresno, California. 
Chris, though, we didn't bring you on to talk about the snow in Fresno. We brought you on to talk about this Tennessee basketball season, which just a couple of weeks ago saw this basketball team ranked number two in the country on the verge of perhaps being the best team in the nation. And since then, I mean, things are just falling apart here. Tennessee is now two and five in February. And I wanted to get your take on what we saw at the end of the game last night with uh, Tennessee. Chris, I, I know you watched the game. Yeah. And I, I texted you this morning and said, hey, go check out Rick Barnes's comments afterwards about uh, the end of the game, the bad offensive possessions. And he says that in his mind, if there was any one factor that caused Tennessee to lose last night, it was fouling jump shooters on three-point attempts twice. And he said the, the poor shot selection at the end of the game was not nearly as important as that. Do you agree with that? No, not at all. How's that for a fast answer? Oh, I, I mean, agree with that. Okay. Well, you and I agree yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah. I, I listen. Um, I saw you sent me the link because I didn't get a chance to see it last night, but I did watch those eight minutes or so of the the phoned in questions for Coach Barnes. And I, 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 for a portion of fans, I guess I have to say to make sure people understand, I'm a Rick Barnes supporter. Sure. I like Coach Barnes. I've always liked him. I uh, enjoyed watching him his whole career. But that doesn't mean that he, no different than me, no different than you, Bear, are above criticism. Not bashing, but criticism. Um, first of all, Tennessee actually outshot Texas A&M from three last night. I mean, we were nine for 31. They were four for 15. So this notion, the, the Vols fouled them and may have given them five points, but that's not where this game was lost. This game was lost on terrible decision-making in the last couple minutes of the game, whether it was unforced turnovers not getting a 50-50 ball, or inexplicably, and Kamwa, I love Kamwa, but inexplicably, what is he doing taking that shot? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Russ, please correct me if I'm wrong, the Vols had a timeout. Uh, they, they, they had a timeout to burn. I, I don't know why. I mean, why aren't they trying to get Bescovy the ball in that situation? And you might argue everybody in that arena is expecting him to get that ball. Well, if you're trying to fool them and say, let's set up someone else, your chances of draining that last shot are probably going down. Barnes said that Kamwa just got caught up in the moment. Okay, with all due respect to Coach Barnes, that's coaching. <clears throat> he cannot get caught up in that moment. He must know what he's doing out there. He didn't in that given situation. And, I mean, he has given the Vol so many great minutes so many he's had some superlative games but the problem with this team last night and it's it's been a theme is they are they have shown an uncanny inability to close out games they couldn't close out they couldn't close out Vandy they couldn't close out Missouri they barely closed out uh, Auburn because they got the benefit of a call that very easily could have gone the other way uh, they couldn't beat Kentucky again. They closed out Alabama in a game that was probably their best effort, really, of the entire season uh, next to the, the Texas game. But I have some real concerns about what I saw last night at the end of that game and the lack of efficiency, the lack of execution. And here's another thing, going back to what Coach Barnes said. He said, and he's right to say this, guys. He said, look, I've been doing this long enough, and I'm paraphrasing, that – we're going to be fine. 
we, you know, peaks and valleys, teams go through this. We're going to be fine. We have Josiah's going to come back. I'm sure he's working hard to get back. I don't know why he would say that. I mean, he would, he would know if he's working hard to get back. Julian Phillips, he's working hard. He's going to come back. That's all a given. We understand that. But we aren't looking at this team, fellas, two weeks from now or three weeks from now. Our job is to look at this team right now. What are you doing for yourselves, Tennessee Vols? What are you doing right now? And right now, they look like a team that is not only un- not, not only uh, able to close out a game, they look, and I don't know if you've talked about this, to me, Russ, right now, at least the last two to three weeks, they look mentally soft. Well, that was going to be my next question, uh, Chris, is, you know, <laughs> We're talking about a team that Marcus was telling me a stat. What, what is it? Zero and seven this season when trailing under five minutes to play, yeah. and so th- that's not you know. There's a team that's not used to winning coming from behind, and now you've got Jimmy Dykes on national television questioning the toughness of Josiah Jordan James. I've never seen anything like that from an ESPN commentator. And I was going to ask you, Chris, like, is it? Uh, you, you tell me if this is a, a an absurd question. Feel free. I'll just put it blunt. Is this team soft? I think they are. Uh, I, I think they are. Uh, that's not to be confused with talented. I mean, listen, I, I've been coming on with you forever, and certainly this year, and I have said on more than a, a few occasions that I really like this team. They seem to be a, a group that likes each other, that enjoys playing together. There's no question they're talented. This team has a ton of talent. And is this a team that could could make a run to the Final Four? They are. Do I think they're going to do that? I don't. And part of the reason, I I, I did think that for a while. I don't think that anymore. Uh, I think they're mentally soft. And I think even though they, they have great physicality, they don't use it. I mean, for example... Josiah Jordan James, when he's out there, when he's healthy, he'll be on the three-point line, and they'll do a skip pass. They'll go, they'll cross-court it to him, and he will have a clear lane to the basket. Now, instead, he will generally take a three because he can make a three. doesn't always make it. I don't think he's shooting a great three percentage, but he will launch it from there. If I'm a guy that is his size, that can jump out of the building, and can really play with authority at the rim when he wants to. The question I've had, and I've asked you this on the show, and I've asked you this in text messages, and I've asked fellow Vols fans on Twitter, why doesn't he do it? And when I watch guys, whether it's Adu, whether it's uh, Kamwa, uh, whomever we're talking about, big guys that are, that are, you know, physical specimens, guys that, that are creative, guys that can innovate. They don't, our guys don't seem to go up strong like uh, Texas A&M's guy, Marble. I mean, that dude, a friend of mine sent me a text last night saying, you know, that guy's married with three kids and a mortgage. And <laughs> his point was, he, he's a grown man out there. Our guys don't always play that way. I, I'm sure there's some Vols fans that won't like hearing that. And the fact is, it's frustrating because you'll watch them. You'll watch one of them get a rebound, and you want them to go up and take one of their defenders through the rim on a rim-rattling flush, but instead they go up soft. They get the shot blocked. So I, I do think that this team, this team, maybe I should qualify and say, I think this team has played soft. 
I don't know right now, Russ, at this point in the season. I mean, it's, it's February 22nd. I don't know if they're going to suddenly turn this around and be a physically dominant team. We hear Jimmy Dykes. Jimmy Dykes, up, up until last night, has – I don't know what happened here, but my, my computer suddenly went on. Forgive me for that noise. Um, Jimmy Dykes has always been a guy who has been thoroughly in the Vols corner. But when he started to question toughness last night, I think a lot of Vols fans and a lot of media had to either openly or quietly be questioning them as well. Uh, they, they, they got outplayed, and they got – and I wrote this on Twitter last night. They, they got out-toughed, and they have been getting out-toughed, Russ, and I, I think that's a concern. So to roll this back to Coach Barnes, when he says everything's going to be all right, I hope he's right. I hope he's right. But the team that we are looking at right now uh, does not have the kind of look and vibe that tells me they're going to get out of the first weekend, much less out of the first night, because they are playing themselves. Basically, they're going to play themselves right out of the double buy, double buy in the SEC tournament if they don't get it together in the next three games, and they're going to end up adding that extra game. And if they really try hard, they're going to find themselves on the four or five line in the NCAA tournament. And I, I tell you, Russ, I don't know how you, you and Baron Marcus feel about this, but I don't want to see this team in a 5-12 matchup. No, that's that's a disaster right there. Yeah, I mean, we've all talked about that. That's that's the that's the one I'd rather be <laughs> like in the I'd rather be in the six eleven than the yeah. there's just yeah. the five twelve. I mean, you can go back and look at it. It's historically like the most yeah uh, that's where you likely your- matchup. I mean, the last time uh, and here's what's troubling. CG is this is starting to feel like two years ago where we had the two good freshmen, but. Because of COVID, the team couldn't practice together in the offseason. They just never bonded and gelled like a basketball team usually does at the college level. And they were just sputtering and flailing, much like this team is right now. As they went into postseason, they were a five seed, and they got bounced by a 12 seed Oregon State. And it wasn't close. Oregon State whipped them. Oh, I Believe me, I, I remember that game because I wasn't sitting down at home the whole game. I was so angry and frustrated watching them. I, you know, listen, um, for anybody who is misinterpreting what I'm saying, lest anybody thinks I'm saying this has anything to do with old fire bars. No, I, I, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm concerned about is that watching those – you sent me that link this morning, and during commercial breaks on my program, uh, I watched – and listen to everything Barnes had to say. And what I was getting very strongly from him, Russ, was what he wasn't saying. His body language, his facial expression, every I mean, I'm not some expert on that, but what, what was jumping out to me was he has some concerns. And he can say all he wants. We're gonna be fine. Everybody's great. And, and I you know what? I hope he's right. I hope I can come on with you in three or four weeks and say, that guy was right. We were all wrong. I was wrong. But he looks right now like a coach that is absolutely at his wit's end trying to figure out what is the magic pill. What's the combination to get these guys to play better? I mean, you know me. I'm not a huge, let's all start reciting the numbers. But you look at, you look at the three-point line last night. The Vols were 9-31. for 31. It doesn't matter that they outshot Texas A&M last night. A&M is not a great three-point shooting team. 29% is not going to get it done 
to go a long way in the SEC tournament, certainly in March. And I know I heard from Vols fans all night about the fact that they shot 34 free throws at Texas A&M. They were 28 for 34. Look, we've all played. We all understand, especially with Pat Adams, we understand that there's going to be games that are going to be like that. As a player, you have to recognize that. They were calling the game in such a way that the Vols needed to change the frequency and play a little bit more to their physicality. The way A&M was, the Vols didn't do that. And if you recognize that fouls are being called that way, you have to play through it. You cannot use that as an excuse. Well, Pat Adams was here, and that's why we lost. No, no. You lost because you weren't going strong to the hole. You weren't converting second and third chances. You were having unforced errors, like just passes failing out of bounds multiple times, 50-50 balls on the floor. You weren't getting them, and you were setting up plays that made no sense in a game that you could have and probably should have closed out to beat A&M on their home floor. Instead, you basically gave it away. Christopher Gabriel, KMJ Fresno with us this afternoon on the show. We will have a lot more Tennessee basketball talk coming up over the next two and a half hours right here on Fan Run Radio. CG, before we let you go, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, what's going on with Maui Ahuna, the Uh. star transfer from Kansas Coming to Knoxville, uh, Tennessee baseball season underway, uh, getting set to play uh, a game on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon here in East Tennessee, here in about an hour against Alabama A&M, and still no word on Maui Ahuna's eligibility. And uh, CG, you know, I, I, I think um, we love Tony Vitello. He's a friend of the show, man, and I would say this to his face. I, I would imagine that he's doing what other elite SEC baseball coaches, football and basketball coaches are doing, playing in the gray area. I don't think Tony's lily white clean. And maybe Tennessee was working in the gray area and getting Maui Ahuna to come here. I don't know if it's uh, tampering they're looking at, if it's an NIL deal, if it's both, if it's something completely – I don't know. All I know is the season has begun. This young man is going to play one more year of college baseball. He has – an and, and we don't know if he's eligible. There's no suspension. There's no timetable. It's just in limbo, and the season has begun. And I find that absurd. If he's going to be suspended, if there's some discipline coming down here, he denounced he was transferring here seven months ago, CG. This should have been adjudicated months ago. We should have clarity on this situation, even if it's a lengthy suspension. We should know at this point the fact that we're five games in here and there's still this uh, uncertainty hanging over the season is absolutely unacceptable to me. Oh, well, I agree with everything you said. And let's, let me go to the Tony Vitello part first, um, and I'll use a parallel. As a former basketball player, I know, I knew, and everybody playing in orange and white and everybody playing in every uniform in this country, you know what's legal, you know what isn't, you know how much you can get away with, and if you can get away with stuff, like when you're under the basket, you're boxing a guy out, and you're, you're trying to get a little bit of an advantage, you're going to go right up to the line. And if you can go a little past the line, people who don't play don't understand this, but you're going to go a little bit past the line until it gets called, and then you get reeled back in. I don't know that there's a coach in college. I don't, I, I don't want to hear about anybody else. Everybody will try to get every advantage they can. I've heard it was a plane. Maybe it was a bus. Maybe it was a train. Whatever the case may be, 
Uh, if this is on UT, fair enough, okay? Fair enough. But the key point here is what you said. He has been on the Hill for seven months. You're telling me, you're telling me the guys uh, in gray suits and blue suits and charcoal suits at that lovely building in Indianapolis, they had seven months to figure this out to make sure they had all their I's dotted, T's crossed, and it wasn't until a matter of hours before the opening game that they could suddenly figure out with Maui's parents coming from Hawaii, oh, you have to sit because we've discovered something and we have to figure this out. I refuse to believe that the timeline here was such that the NCAA couldn't have figured out something going on here ahead of time. And the fact that they have, and and less uh, Tennessee fans think otherwise, believe me, believe me, and you know this, Russ, Bear, this UT is not the only school that this happens to. I know it seems that way because we all follow and love Tennessee sports, but it does happen to other teams. But at the same time, it does seem like the NCAA has shown they actually have the ability to look at a situation and say, this might be a minor issue. We're going to give you a one-game suspension. We're going to give you a week suspension. Whatever the case may be, we're taking a scholarship away. Whatever they have to do, they do it. But now they're dragging this out. It reminds me of Brew McCoy. And again, again, we're going to ask the question, what is the holdup? Is somebody not coming in? In Indianapolis, is somebody sick? Did they have their phone turned off? Are they not checking their email? Do they not know who to talk to? I mean, if Tennessee aired here, fair enough. But tell Tennessee you did X, Y, and Z, and with that there's going to be this level of punishment, and then we can move forward. It is simply not fair to Maui, to his family, to his teammates, to hold this in the balance the way they're doing, Russ. It just isn't. Amen. CG, we love you, sir. Uh, good luck with the snowmageddon headed your way <laughs> there in California. Milk sandwiches for everyone. Thoughts and prayers. Yep, appreciate it. I'm going out right now to buy 15 40 packs of toilet paper and six loaves of bread. If you don't hear from me, you know, all I can say is go Vols. Love all you guys. All right, man. Appreciate it. We'll be thinking about our friends in California as we uh, sunbathe this afternoon. Oh, it's it's lovely outside. They're going to get hit with snow. Those poor people. Evidently, it says they they do not had forget it the years. milk. CG, don't forget your milk. All right, a lot to unpack there as Christopher Gabriel joins on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. I understand there were some concerned faces. We'll put it that way at Big Orange Phillies last night. People uh, they had a good crowd out there, but There's it, some- it was not a joyous crowd for obvious reasons it, 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 at least they went home with with a full belly hopefully yeah delicious food yeah they drank from the keg of despair last night uh, hopefully the keg of glory will soon be tapped once again go check out big orange philly 6625 maynardville pike in halls check out their delicious outstanding menu bigorangephillies.com you can get it delivered via grubhub and uh, maybe a couple of other services as well big orange fillies we got to take a quick time out we'll come right back with your phone calls after this it's the drive on fan run radio fan run radio the drive continues 
Christopher Gabriel, KFJ Fresno. Bear, what did you learn? Uh, I mean, just we could start unpacking, I guess, stuff about the basketball game. The end of game stuff, like, here, here's one deal, and I, I wanted to jump in and mention it to him, like, with the whole thing with Cam Waugh, um, and, you know, it was Barnes' statement that, that Cam Waugh kind of got caught up in the moment. I've got two takes here. One is, I think Rick Barnes also got caught up in the moment because he should have absolutely called that timeout. And, like, honest to God, if he just decides to roll the dice there and you think that they're going to – there's no way you're going to be able to get Vescovi or Ziegler a clean look at it, then why not roll the dice and have a play for Olivier where he's set, you get him the ball out on the three-point line with his feet set, ready to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that would have been the play. I know, don't either. But, but it would have been better than There's a happened. hell of a lot bigger, better chance that – Olivier's going to make that shot versus what he tried to do. But well, that was out the, of a timeout. No, I'm talking the last 17 seconds. Well, that that was Ziegler's shot. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. So, But anyhow, I felt like Barnes, Barnes kind of got lost in the moment as well. He should have called. I mean, we had 17 seconds, a timeout, one of the best three-point shooters on a night where his shot's hitting in the conference – and these guys, you've had a lot of success drawing up plays, getting guys open. The only thing I can think is he's thinking, okay, if if we make one, there there is a chance that they'll really need that timeout. You've seen how much we had trouble inbounding the ball several That's times true. this year, and maybe he's thinking, all right, we can come down here get a three ball. I might need that timeout, you know. But I I just. It's 17 seconds, man. I mean, you get you you're down at that point. You have to prioritize tying the game first and foremost. And if 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 you do that and you're out of timeouts, I, I can live with that. But to just not use it was bizarre. And then the logic after the game to say, and we heard the audio. He said, "That's not what cost us the game. Those two possessions." If he had to narrow it down to just one thing, it would be the two fouled three-point shooters. Well, it was five points. Yeah, but that's not – I know. I, that's just so puzzling. I mean, look, we all agree that's bad. Fouling three-point yeah. shooters needs to stop. But that happened so much earlier. Games end – you you got to be able to manage the end of these games. See, the, I think something I thought about last night um, about – just springboarding off what you were saying on the post game about after the whole sequence of events with the do, you could see him. You don't have to be, we didn't have to be standing there and hear it to know what he told Jonas before he sent him back in there, sitting on three fouls. Like, look, you've got three fouls. Do not foul. And then he goes in there and fouls. And then you were talking about how, how Barnes was just kind of staring off into the distance. And, um, I, I think this is an area where we really, really miss Triple J being on the floor because he's the one guy on the team that can – who's out there with Jonas being, you know, reiterating, hey, cannot foul. And we just – we don't have any floor leader right now, man. Really, really frustrating down the stretch here. Three more games. Surely South Carolina is going to go in the win column. On Saturday, they're just not a very good team, and you're playing them at home. I would expect Tennessee to win that game. 
But that last week is tough. I mean, Arkansas is up and down. Arkansas is a lot like us. Even though their record is substantially worse, they've still got some good players, and they've showed an, an ability to play with absolutely anyone. I think they have a couple of, of big wins. They, they won at Rupp. Uh, they, they've got a couple of big wins on, on, on their, uh, their schedule. But they've also had some bad losses, so that that, I, that game could go either way. I'd lean a little bit towards Tennessee winning it, but you know maybe like sixty percent, like not 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 sure. And then I just I know Auburn is struggling down the stretch too, but it's going to be a hostile environment. It's Bruce Pearl. We're not playing well. I expect that to be another ugly game, and I would give us a fifty-fifty chance at best. Of winning that, if I'm being really honest with you, I was going to go like probably, 49. <laughs> uh, I'd probably go a little bit lower, a little bit under the 50 percent mark. Just don't feel very confident in, in that. And it, we're sputtering. Triple J today said at the tip-off club he expects to play on Saturday against South Carolina. Uh, we'll see about that. We need him. Can we put that that thing to bed now? That that discussion we had whether or not we were better without triple j and phillips i guess we'll see because i don't i don't really think that like we lose a lot when when you don't have two of your stars do you feel like this team will be substantially improved when those two come back i don't know because i don't know really where they're at i just think it's kind as of a there. team they're kind of they, they just there doesn't seem to be um it, it, it doesn't seem like they're having a lot of fun right now. I, I'll say that I I don't think that Tennessee plays any worse when they're out there. And I know that had been a kind of do we play better without them. I don't think it's better or worse. I, I just don't think there's much impact. I, I think that this team just kind of plays to the level of competition. I don't think they have a ton of dog in them. Um, Which is bizarre because we come up – I mean, we go toe-to-toe with the – I mean, yeah. look at our wins. We play better against the top teams in the country. And I think Dykes may have said something about that, about being the hunter and and not the the hunted. Somebody did. It was either Dykes or oh, I don't know. Last night, that I mean, that was just brutal because you could see it coming, Russell Smith, from a mile away. Last night, me and you saw that coming when they ended the first half the way they did, just letting A and M creep back into it, and it it oh. felt like they had taken our best shot yeah. and survived and. Anyway, uh, top of the hour break here. Marcus will have your top four at four. Big news coming out of the NFL out of Nashville today with the Titans. We've got Tennessee baseball getting set to get underway at Lindsey Nelson here in about half an hour. So a lot to update you on. Stay with us. Hour number two of The Drive coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio.